Welcome to Uncontained, episode 16. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render. And to clear things up to start out the show, I do want to say that last week, a certain uh, comedy club named Penguins was said to be having troubles paying their bills and not doing well and on the verge of shutting down. I have la- recently found out that uh, from the people at Penguins and comics that go there, that the club is doing quite well. So if you're in Cedar Rapids, please still, even though they are doing well, you should continue to support them and get out there and uh, see some live local comedy. And the more places for comedy in the state or in the country, the better. You know, the more places you can see comics, the more the more exposure comics have to people, the better comedy you are going to get. On today's show, I have blues rock musician David Zolo on, and uh, we talk about his band, The Body Electric, and uh, I even have a couple songs to play for you, but before we get started on the show, uh, this show came to bouts in kind of an interesting way. David Zolo's dad actually used to tutor me when I was a student. And, yeah, back when no information was getting inside of this head, uh, his dad, Rick Zolo, you know, helped me out quite a bit. But Dave texted me, and I misunderstood his text message. He was saying his dad passed along the phone message, but I read my dad passed along and blah, blah, blah. So I thought he was telling me his dad had passed, his dad had died. So I texted him back all like, oh, man, that sucks. And um, your dad was a great dude. Sorry to hear it. And he texts me back, no, dude, dude, thanks for the kind words on my dad. But he is still alive and kicking. And he just passed along your phone number so I could get in touch with you to be on Uncontained. And that made my day much better after misunderstanding the news. So David Zolo, blues musician, Lots of great music for you. His new CD out is called For Hire. And actually, before I get into the interview, I'm going to play you the title track off of that CD and then just jump right into conversation. So here is episode 16 of Uncontained with musician David Zolo. Up the 
How's it going today, Dave? I'm doing good, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come on uh, Uncontained. And for our audience, so I don't butcher your intro, will you share a little bit about yourself with uh, the Uncontained audience? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, my name is David Zolo. Um, I'm a uh, touring musician. I've been doing it for what seems like forever, for about 25 years now. Um, I have both fronted bands and played as a, as a session musician for other bands. I played 
for years with a guy named Todd Snyder uh, in his band, The Nervous Rex, out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, played with Greg Brown and Bo Ramsey, two of Iowa City's um, luminary um, musicians and songwriters. Um, and, um, and a guy named William Elliott Whitmore, um, who I've also just started a new band called Middle Western with. I played on a number of his records for Anti, uh, which is Tom Waits' record label. Okay, wow. Uh, so you got Midwestern as a, your new band, and you have the Body Electric, correct? And how many other bands are you in right now? <laughs> yeah, so Middle Western is the new band, uh, and that's that's with Will, a couple Chicago musicians, and, and the drummer uh, from my current band, the Body Electric. And the Body Electric is my main band, um, the touring band. So I, I tour under the name David Zolo and the Body Electric. Um, and those are the, those are really the two main bands, but I'll do, I'll do pick up work with other people. Um, uh, my band just, the body electric just backed, um, a Nashville singer songwriter named Brian Johannesson, um, on a recording that he did here in Iowa city at flat black studios. And, um, we are, uh, actually have a gig uh, in town here this summer with, um, a young woman named Anna Lauby, who's a singer songwriter, where we'll play a set and then we'll back her on a set. So you know, you keep you keep busy if you want to, uh, um, you know, if you want to work enough and if you want to kind of keep things interesting. Um, so, okay, how I, you do know, you I'll... get uh, set up backing these other bands? So, like for example, so the Brian Johannesson sessions, um, a couple of the guys in the Body Electric and my current band had played with him when he was here in Iowa City. Um, I think he was here in town at the university, studying creative writing at the university and um, was also uh, getting into songwriting. So they had backed him and he had done some um, different festival type stuff where he'd opened for us or where we played on the same bill. And so that was a thing where he sent us his songs and we just, you know, kind of worked, worked up the tunes in the studio. He had a producer with him um, from Chicago, um, uh, this, the, the, um, the young lady, Anna Lauby, who's a really, really good singer songwriter who, um, was based out of the Bay area. She is a former student of mine, um, when she was really young, um, and before she started, uh, touring. So she'll oh, send wow. us, yeah, she'll send us a copy of her newest record and we'll, uh, we'll learn the songs and then, um, we'll go from there. Now, do, does um, do these artists have a band already? Or are you like acting as their studio musician for them, or so on? Yeah, on the bright, it more than that. On the on the Johannesson session, we were basically his studio band. Um, the thing with Anna is more of just a one-off. So we'll learn her tunes and and um, we'll basically just ask act as her band for the night on that gig. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, so there's different ways you can do it. Um, you know, we play a, a fair amount, so there's probably not enough time for us to be somebody's full-time backing band. Although, you know, if that kind of opportunity arose, um, you know, you, you, that's the kind of thing you would talk about it, and if it if it worked out, you might do it. Right on. So you mentioned you're in two bands right now, Dave Zolo, The Body Electric, and Middle Western. How do those two bands differ? So Middle Western, um, that's an interesting question. Middle Western is more of um, a band in the sense where everybody, we're writing the record together. Um, 
and everybody is contributing you know to the songwriting process um, there's going to be three different singers w William Elliot Whitmore and myself are the two main singers um, but there's other voices that'll be and there'll be a lot of three-part harmonies I mean it, it's a rock and roll band I would you know I would compare it to something like the band in terms of a musical model and in terms of the, the style that we do whereas the body electric is a band that is doing my songs um, and and it is a band too I mean everybody is definitely contributing a significant amount to the live performance there's a lot of improvisation that goes on on stage but it's really you know my band doing my songs um, we just did my most recent record was done with this with my touring band and it's and it's done under the name the body electric David Solo and the body electric and but those are my songs that I had written and I came to to the to the band with those songs already done and um, and then we worked them up and uh, and performed them live and kind of you know the, the songs kind of take on their identity um, on stage whereas the Middle Western is definitely um, a band where everybody's got full-time projects and we're getting together on the side and writing together recording and, and it'll there'll be a lot less uh, touring with that band although who knows it might I mean it might it might wind up being um, a more significant touring uh, outfit than what the the plan is now, but okay. So the Middle Western is kind of like you know the super groups of say like when uh, like Audio Slave or whatever when all the bands like <laughs> got together with their members from established bands or groups and got I mean, together kinda, and created kind of one. Is, you know <laughs> on a on a smaller yeah, I mean, scale. I mean, <laughs> on a smaller scale absolutely that's just what i was going to say i mean you know will has done real well for himself um um and uh you know he's he's built quite a nice profile for himself on the national level um but this is definitely something you know where especially around this area around the midwest um you know there's other areas obviously where where we're both known but but where our homes are here in in eastern iowa he's from um around keokuk from the keokuk area although he had lived in Iowa City at various times. But yeah, we're definitely known as two separate artists um, doing two, you know, really separate things. We make our own records, and we've come together with these other guys who also play um, with different bands. Uh, the, one of the guitar players plays with James McCartney, which is uh, Paul McCartney's son. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he was also the co-producer of my new record named Stephen Howard, and he's He's been a longtime musical collaborator um, for me, and he's also known uh, Will Whitmore for a long time. So, and then his, uh, then there's another guitar player from Chicago who plays a lot of slide guitars, and he plays uh, with a band called the Hoyle Brothers, uh, based in Chicago now. So we've all got kind of different different projects that we're working on that we're recording with and touring with and and coming together to do this because we're all good friends and there's a lot of mutual respect I think um, between us. That's cool. And then you also get to get in front of each other's audiences, you know, kind of get, Absolutely. you know, cap, like get more exposure and for your own solo projects as well. Yeah, yeah. We're def that'll definitely be something that um, that is a byproduct of it. That's um, yeah, that'll happen. You will definitely um, benefit from having the audiences of all these different these different groups hopefully come together and, and, and hopefully we can make music that, you know, it's it's it, it'll be what it is um and uh hopefully it's some kind of uh yeah meeting of these different these different things um in in a new project 
Right on. And you you mentioned you were having your CD produced. Didn't or do you still have a record label right now? No, uh, I, trailer, I, records? trailer records. No, I don't do the label anymore. It's actually been a few years now that it's that it's been uh, that I haven't done it. It was it, when I you know I did it for twelve years. It was a uh, an amazing experience. It was an incredible amount of work because I was also touring full time. Um, and when I was younger, I had a little more energy to to juggle all those things but um and that was an incredible experience and i'm real proud of of the work that um that came about um and that came out on that label there was um i got to work with a lot of amazing artists and so i did a lot of producing then um a lot more than i do now although you know the industry has changed a lot which is why i kind of got out of the record label business um in, in some ways, it's become easier to have a have a label, but um, it just it just got to be. Um, I was operating on a weird space where I was, you know, bigger than than you know just a, a lot of the smaller indies, but you know, not as big as a really big indie. And I was doing it all myself, and it just got to be it just got to be too much. And the industry changes um, really brought to bear a lot of pressure on on. Um, business owners like myself it got to be real expensive to to um to run a label in the old ways with publicists and it, and it was before the internet had completely i mean i as far as i'm concerned that that whole model that whole paradigm has not yet um finished its shift as it were um and that hasn't really fully emerged as to what i think it will be but um when i stopped it was still early in, in, in the early days, I think you could say. My, the label ran from about 94 to 2005 or 6 um, when it was really, you know, um, doing, doing its thing, putting out records on a regular basis. Okay. In addition to the internet, what were some of the shifts in the industry that made you want to get out of uh, the record industry? You know, the, I was still working with old distribution models, so I still had a, you know, a big national distributor that was carrying the stuff, and you, you know, you still had to, you had to wait um, longer to get paid, and there, and you had to, pay, you were still paying out all this money, you know, for publicists, fifteen or twenty thousand um, dollars, you know, per record. It was just, it was crazy. It just got to be financially untenable for one person to do it if, if I was going to do it at that level, and I, and. The same time, I was working with artists that that you know demanded a certain amount of um, um, you know uh, handling by the label. They needed to have okay. services provided for them, and I just it just got to be too much. Label was at its best when it was a kind of a smaller, more underground thing. And unfortunately, you know, as you grow the business, which is what your goal is, you become you know more dependent on these kind of um, industry mechanics that um that just weren't set up for a you know a, a single person small you know label that was that was small in its original vision and in its roots and then was getting bigger and growing and and, and it just it just didn't work the two things just met head on and i was financing it myself and it just it was just too much 
Okay, do, do you see, like, the internet coming, or you said it's not done evolving yet. Uh, do you see it becoming easier to have your own label with the I, yeah. internet, cutting out the distributor, or...? Yeah, I do. I think it is. And I think now you've got, you know, just thousands and thousands of labels out there, or, or even single artists that, you know, that are putting out their records under, you know, whatever title, under the name, um, whatever name they use. And um, those are, you know, ostensibly labels um, operating as labels. I mean, that's what I just did with my last record. And you, and this, and this happens with bigger artists too. They're just saying, you know, I don't need those, you know, old models. Um, I'm, you know, large, uh, larger independent artists or smaller major label artists are just leaving and saying, I can do this myself with the internet. Um, so yeah, it's definitely happening. It makes it, I think, in some ways harder to reach an audience if you don't already have one but if you have an audience like some of these um bands and artists that have been on a major label that have had all these tens of thousands of dollars spent building their brand or their name or whatever the hell they call it now um those (laughs) those people can really benefit from the internet because people can find them they can go out seek them out and google their name and find them and then you know get plugged into their kind of little <coughs> their channel and there's all these thousands of individual channels out there which is cool it's really <clears throat> my kind of you know um, neo-marxist uh, heart loves the uh, idea of all these small voices out there being able to um, to get their stuff to an audience although you know it's difficult too <laughs> I mean it's hard to reach an audience if you don't already have one because there's so much out there Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, it's really, uh, the landscape is changing. It'll be interesting to see where the music industry ends up going. And I could see the big record label going by the wayside in the future. I think there's a lot of people that have been waiting for that to happen and hoping that would happen. I mean, I don't know, it's down to three or four of these evil behemoths, you know, that just don't seem to want to take the hint and go away um, because their time is long past, I think. Um, their model is, their model is a terrible business model. It's a shitty human model. It's made to exploit people. It it, it encourages competition, which from, in my humble opinion, as the kids today would say, they wouldn't even say all those words, but they would give you some acronym, obviously. (laughs) I mean, there's no place for that in music and art. And so they've created this, this fucked up paradigm excuse my english that that allows for people you know that allows for this competition to be encouraged where you've got different you know musician musicianships musicians art in general should be a collaborative process but especially music ensemble music um where you're playing with other people i mean this should be this amazing collaborative project where people are are sharing their musical ideas and and creating you know um creating music from all these different um perspectives and instead we've got this kind of weird competitive corporate model that shouldn't have anything to do with it and so yeah i I think there's but you know in 2005 or whenever i I, the label started my label started winding down trailer records you know when i realized i just couldn't do it anymore that was you know that was the the claim then that the other shoe was going to drop anytime now and pretty soon there would be no more labels and clearly as I said, that paradigm shift has not has not even become you know close to to realizing itself, to stopping, to whatever, <clears throat> to fulfilling its its early promise. So I don't know 
if if you know because it, it's going to be really hard to root out this big corporate um, structure uh, that's that got is its, true it's got its greedy paws into everything and to think that they're just going to go away because their time has passed <laughs> it's not, not quite that simple um, so uh, you know I, I do hope that there that that happens and you know I mean you, you got to be careful to not you know take on you know you, you don't want to sound too self-important with this I mean it's not like these are you know political constructs that are but in some ways you know for those of us that do this for a living and and for you know I mean all of us as music lovers care passionately about this subject and care passionately about the music we love it, it's important to all of us <clears throat> so it's a fine line I mean you know you as with all things you want to avoid too much um self-referential you know or self-congratulatory uh, rhetoric but um <laughs> it, it, it would it would be good if that if those if those yeah if those old old models would just go away yeah, and it seems like the record labels now are more like focused on, say, the pop music opposed to more the mm -hmm. uh, style of music that you're doing or that uh, sure. isn't necessarily on the radio. You know, that's a uh, record label yeah. that just pushing <laughs> yeah, to I the masses and all the smaller groups and genres are not are finding other routes to get seen and heard. I think it's a a totally fair, yeah, assessment of what's going on. And then I think if some more organic musical styles, they can get a hit with something, whether it's like something like Mumford and Sons, or I don't know, pick a name of somebody that's playing more traditionally, um, you know, uh, folk styles or Americana styles, whatever you want to call it, um, even though they're not American, I don't think. Um, yeah, those. <laughs> the, when something like that happens, you know, the the... the They'll, they'll they'll pimp it out as much as they can, and they'll see you know how much. But it's really about about yeah mass marketing, mass selling something, and yeah that that certainly tends to be around something like a, you know it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to sell Katy Perry than a forty six year old you know Iowa indie rock guy who's been flogging the the horse for yeah twenty five years. There's definitely you know. Yeah, there's definitely certain things that are attractive to to the corporate record industry for sure. Right. Yeah. So, um, speaking of you being in the business for 25 years, how did you get started in music? <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Um, I mean, not funny. I I, I grew up uh, played the piano. My grandpa was actually um, a fairly well-known jazz musician in New York in the 30s through the mid 50s. Um, kind of a, you know, one of a smaller footnote now in jazz history, but at the time a very well-known pianist who led the orchestra at a place called the Stork Club in Manhattan. And um, so he was a pianist, and my mom sat me and my brother down I, and to see if either one of us kind of took to it when we were little kids. And um, so, I, so I took lessons my all through my childhood. I started playing when I was three or four, and then played until I went away to college. And then I got more into studying books um, and uh, more straight academic stuff. And a few years into college, just before I was done with, just before I, I was, I would have got my BA. Um, I started playing again, and I wrote a bunch of songs. And I, I met up with some guys and started a band called High and Lonesome. It was really it happened really fast. And I slipped a demo tape to a guy named Bo Ramsey, um, who uh, is a local. Uh, he's from Iowa City. Um, 
great guitarist and has had you know a lot of success as a producer um and um and he really dug it and he uh, ended up producing co-producing our first record with me and i, I really kind of never looked back a couple years later i started trailer records and um a year after that in 96 i had had some uh, throat surgery a surgery on my larynx on my vocal cords actually to remove some tumors and i I met a guy named Todd Snyder, who I mentioned earlier, who and I ended up moving to Nashville and playing um, in his road band and uh, doing some recording with him. And yeah, it just kind of I just kind of never looked back. It became my my job. You know, I quit school a semester short of graduating, and and um, and I've done it ever since. It's literally been just kind of like that. It was that uh, haphazard, not haphazard, not haphazard. That's not the right word. <clears throat> that would be probably not that would be selling the experience short, but I mean, it's just kind of something that I jumped into and, and, um, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be able to do it and make a, you know, middle-class living at it ever since. Right on. Yeah. That's impressive to be able to make a living at music and that a lot of people try, but not a lot of people like succeed at least from see. maybe, a, yeah, the, at least from where I see it, but a lot of people, you know, end up having to resort to it as like, hey, I play on the weekends, which is still pretty awesome. But it is awesome. Yeah, no. And I think you're absolutely right. And I do think um, it's funny, you know, um, we shouldn't sell, I, you know, for me doing it for a living. I always wanted to, you know, this is something I wanted to do. And I've been blessed to do it, like I said, and that's that is, you know, it's 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 gotten to be harder and harder as I've seen, you know, as I've followed other people getting into the business over the years. I think I was lucky and I kind of got started at the tail end of what I consider the live music kind of era <laughs> when I was starting to play um, out with my band. You know, we lived in a college town and it was the early 90s, 91, 92, and people still went, I mean, we could still sell out a club on a Monday or Tuesday night. Um, and that's changed a lot. You know, I don't think people go out to hear live music like they used to. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's definitely where I learned my craft. So um, was on stage. Why do you think and, that is that people don't come out to see live music as much anymore? You know, I think there's a number of reasons. Um, you know, I think our, the technology, the delivery systems for our entertainment have changed so drastically um, with the Internet, with cable TV, um, you know, people pay a couple hundred dollars a month for those two things. Um, and I think part of it is that they want to get their money's worth. They want to, you know, there's, there's things, older musicians I know are really convinced that drunk driving laws are at the root of this. I don't think that's the whole picture. I think there's a lot of different reasons, um, you know, that, that contribute to it. But, um, and then I think, you know, this whole thing, you know, not to, not to again, sound like an hysterical Marxist, but the whole thing about um, this corporate music model has really screwed over the $5 kind of, you know, um, small club show or the $10 small club show. And in the sense that if you're going to go pay $500 to see the Eagles on their newest reunion mega tour, you know, that's a hundred five dollar shows you're not going to see or fifty ten dollar shows or break it down however you want, however your favorite yeah. band tours and what denomination. And you're not going to do that. You're going to, you know, people just they, they have only so much entertainment dollars, so many to go around. And and so that's what they have to, you know, that's what they have to, to contend with. 
that makes a lot of sense because you know you got you have so much allocated to go see a band or whatever, and if you're having to pay a hundred dollars plus a ticket surcharge to uh, to see like who you want to, it's gonna cut out some of the other bands that are playing locally, you know. Yeah, really. I mean, I think that it's it, it that that's a, a big part of it. Or, you know, if you're a family, you know, I'm taking my son on a trip to to a few baseball parks this summer. He's 13, and we're going with my brother and a friend of my son's. And, you know, to do something like this, I mean, it's a few thousand bucks. You know, just to to go to three midwestern baseball parks. So yeah, you know, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna spend your, the you know what money you can to do stuff like that. You make your choices, and so as entertainment, as it, you know, when it, it's it's you know five hundred, six hundred dollars. I forget. You see these studies, what it costs for a family of four to go to a professional sporting event, and again, it's the rise of these corporate box seats and corporate. I mean, and the salaries, everything has just gotten so out of control, and people can only spend so much on their entertainment, especially now with our economy pinched like it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, David, you were mentioning talking about traveling with your son. Is your son getting into music at getting into music now? Yeah, he is, you know, so he's 13, as I said. He actually is studying at the same music school that I attended here in Iowa City, a Suzuki school called the Prussel School of Music, and um, studying with the same teacher that I had. So that's a, a, extremely cool. But that's classical um, concert classical piano um but he's also getting into popular music he's into obviously different kind of stuff than than the stuff that i do but um cool but um, uh, yeah but it's it's great to watch him you know uh, get into the stuff that he's he's getting into that's cool so piano is his main instrument right now yep he's playing the piano uh, just like his old man all right, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. So look forward to hearing some stuff from him in the future. <laughs> I hope so. Did, yeah. What was the piano by design? Were you like, here, son, play the piano, play the piano? You know, it's funny. I wait. No, I waited uh, probably longer than I should have to even um, get him started. We obviously have a piano in the house, and I had pianos around, so it made it was an obvious choice. And as my grandfather was a pianist, I'm a pianist. It made sense because a lot of that is, you know, handed down. I mean, there's a genetic component to it. And the way he's taken to the instrument, um, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, so he started about eight or nine. I think he was just just turned nine. And um, he's just he's plowing through the, the Suzuki curriculum, the Suzuki music curriculum pretty, pretty amazingly. So uh, there clearly is uh, that component. He's got a real natural um inclination for the instrument definitely awesome i my mom uh, had me take uh actually my parents had me take piano lessons when i was a kid but at that age i didn't like it and now i wish i would have stuck with it you know it's, it was like I, yeah i can't tell you how many people yeah say that that i hear that how often i hear that it's like back then it's like no i just want to go play in the dirt and stuff now it's like dude i wish i would have stuck with it if i'd be able to play piano <laughs> <laughs> exactly but you know all that stuff so um changing subjects just a little bit but also helping other musicians along the same line i see you have a new uh a project the iowa music project yeah yeah 
care to speak a little bit on that? Yeah, it's actually, it's not my project, although Middle Western, um, my new band is involved in it, and we we did a song for it. Um, but there's a young guy here in town um, who is um, who started the, this this project to develop um, um, young talent in Iowa, um, singer songwriters, um, musicians. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing. I love seeing this happen. Um, so we're doing a show, kind of a fundraiser for the the first record release um, in Des Moines, uh, Middle Western is, on June second, and um, contributed a song to the recording. Um, other than that, I'm not involved with any of the, you know, the kind of the finer details. So I'm not sure of what exactly is happening with it, except that it's a, a great project. And, and it'll really hopefully be um, a, um, a vehicle to help um, young singer songwriters with some of the resources you need, you know, in the studio, in terms of studio and, and other musicians and just, yeah, provide for resources for, for people that want to get into this business. Yeah, the way I took at it, it's like taking musicians from all different genres of music around the Iowa area and giving them the money and the space to record like one track professionally mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Is that? <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Um, there was a couple projects that preceded this <clears throat> where they did similar things. Um, there was one called the Iowa Song Project that I took part in also um, <clears throat> that was done to celebrate the Angler Theater um and done by the people um that run the angler <coughs> excuse me which is um you know a performance space here an old movie theater when i was a kid growing up in iowa city so yeah there's this is kind of using that same model where yeah they're providing the money for these young bands to um record a track in a professional studio and then They'll, they'll promote the release, so hopefully, you know, if people hear something they like, they'll go search that artist out and get a full-length release from them or, or come out and see them play and just help. So creating that culture where, um, uh, you know, new um, singer-songwriters that are just getting started can kind of step right into it. Yeah, I'm actually looking it up right now. It's uh, Jane, is it James Gang Endeavor? Oh, is it a James Gang endeavor? I didn't know that that the James Gang that Luke was a part of the James Gang, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and I I also read that uh, there's going to be a concert afterwards, and Midwestern is playing. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm West, trying to find Middle Western details. Middle Western's headlining June second in Des Moines at the Des Moines Social Club, which is another really neat um, arts agency uh, based out of Des Moines. That's it works with really on a really large financial level with uh, corporations like Hy-Vee and the principal to um, create all these different, um, you know, art galleries and music spaces. The, the Des Moines Social Clubs are really neat things, something worth checking out for people that are um, interested in, in, you know, kind of modern um, arts um promotion and development on a large scale but anyway we're going to play in the theater on june 2nd we're headlining okay yeah that's really cool i was just looking yeah the submission period ended march 15th and it was like january to march but looks like they're doing the recordings and everything yep. 
now and you said the concerts are June 2nd yeah. in Des Moines. Yeah, and they're going to be some different ones. Um, I know different uh, shows with different some of the different acts, but the, I know Middle Western's playing that first one on June 2nd in Des Moines. Okay, cool, cool. And that's it's awesome seeing people help out other bands coming up. That's kind of one of the reasons why I started this podcast, like, basically for entertainment industry period, like comedians, actors, musicians, and stuff like that. One to be able to get advice for, you know, the person just starting out to the person that's just about to quote unquote, make it right. And, and my opinion on getting advice from people is that when you hear a lot of the shows, it's the people who have quote unquote made it already that are given the advice. And that doesn't always relate to the person sure. who's just getting started yeah. out. Oh, absolutely. No, I know. Exactly. That's really true. And, um, and you know, <laughs> when I had the record label, that was the whole idea of that, you know, so I had Greg Brown would release records on the label and then all the way down to, you know acts just starting out and the whole idea was for you know the rising tide to kind of bring everybody along with it and um when it worked it was it it worked beautifully yeah definitely and uh well do you have any advice for people just getting started out then or yeah you know i do you know what or any level yeah well when i tell people like especially you know i get asked obviously a lot and not as much as i used to now that i'm um, entering the old fart territory, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when, you know, I mean, I'm a big believer in playing as much as possible with as many different people. This is for, from a musician standpoint, but also any artist collaborating as much as you can with as many different people as you can and getting inspired as often as you can by other people. And, and really, you know, this kind of collective action, this collaborative effort idea, um, I think that is the great human model for all, you know, for everything. Um, and so, you know, stuff is at its best when 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 people are are really there's a free exchange of ideas and people are really open and and are willing to um, to have experiences that might be outside their normal kind of comfort zone. But just to play it as much as you can with as many different people as you can and really just try to, um, you know, keep as open-minded as you can and, and always be learning. And when, when you keep that kind of mindset, I think, um, you know, the sky's the limit. You can really do things um, with your, your craft and with your life that you never thought possible. So, Right on. So uh, that's, that's amazing advice. And do you have any advice for people who are looking to start a record label since you did that? too as well you know i wish i wish i did i don't know i don't know what the answers are there you know i i kind of left that industry feeling a bit like a whipped dog um so i don't know if i feel uh entitled to give anybody advice there or or compelled to i i just think i guess i guess that's that's not completely true i i would say um my advice would be um to you know to 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 just do do things things that you think aren't possible um could be you know i I started that record label if i would have known how much um work and money and heartache would have gone into it i might not have done it but i just did it and i had some amazing experiences and 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 got and learned a tremendous amount so i think the thing to do is just to kind of dive in and and again keep keep your eyes open and always always keep learning do you think 
your experience working or having the record label has changed your experience as an artist? It really has. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like anything when you know how the sausage is made and, um, it it changes how you look at the sausage, (laughs) (laughs) but that being said, um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it also has made me a lot more sympathetic to other artists um, and, you know, cause I know what goes into it or, or it's made me a lot more sympathetic of people on the other end of the business too. Um, you know, um, because I know how much work goes into it. Do you feel like it makes you easier to work with in the studio or more of a nightmare for like the producer <laughs> since you're like, no, you should do it this way. I've done it. <laughs> no, I'm not that way. I, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I have no problem following my role, but whatever my role is uh, on a given project, I'm happy to, uh, I'm happy to uh, to go along. All right, great. And what other projects do you have going on right now? Anything uh, anything on top of Midwestern and Dave Zolo Body Electric? No, that's it. That keeps me really busy, you know. And then I play, you know, I play a lot of solo shows. I mean, I, I this time of year, especially, I'm probably playing, you know, 15 shows a month. So um, I do about 150, 175 shows a year. So I, I'm pretty busy um performing that's where kind of i make my living um is on the road so how much of the week do you say you're on the road do you always get to come back home each show or are you on roads for long extensive time just a couple three days at a time anymore is what it would you know it's how long i'll go out i'll do little you know but i'm probably playing four or five nights a week this time of year okay cool and and that picks up it picks up in the summer right opposed yeah, to say winter shows yeah spring summer fall are all pretty busy winter is a little slower okay cool well it's getting close to uh the time to start wrapping things up tying up loose ends in the show here um i'm gonna ask you a question that i ask all my guests and it's based on the title of the show it's how do you live uncontained meaning how do you go against the societal norms when they tell you you can't open up your own label you can't uh, make a living being a musician um so what is the way that you live uncontained you know i mean my entire my entire livelihood as an independent musician independent artist is uh, that's what it's about it's about living a life that's uncontained you know i was told um in my twenties that, you know, that there was a certain way to go. That was, that was the way to, if you wanted to be successful as a musician, that was that corporate, that corporate route. And I chose not to do that. I chose really consciously, um, to, to be an independent musician, to have an independent label. So like I said earlier, uh, it's really just a matter of you just do it. Um, now it's not always that easy. Um, you know, you have to have a lot of good fortune come your way to be able to do it. But um, but every day, you know, that I get to go out and, and make music, that's something that I've thought a, a lot about the last few years is the reason I love what I do is because it's something that it brings me closer to people and people, you know, it brings people closer to each other. Um, and that's a beautiful, um, a beautiful part of, of what I do. And so, you know, I, I stay focused on on that, <clears throat> that part of of. Uh, of the job and it's and it's a wonderful thing and i'm grateful for um you know for every opportunity and every day and and that really allows me to to be uncontained and unconstrained and you know and and that's that's really what it was about for me always um 
was was living a life that was free from those kinds of of, uh, of constraints and constructs that that I didn't buy into. Well said, man. It's it's really cool hearing like stories of how people, you know, quote unquote, live uncontained as as I've gone through all these like interviewing artists and stuff. It's, it's a great, great idea for a podcast. It's a really cool thing um, that you're doing. Um, just just giving people an opportunity to talk about that, because, you know, something that you don't always necessarily think about uh, some of, like I said, how, how the sausage gets made. But. But, you know, <laughs> but there's people making it all the time, and there's people consuming it all the time. So it's it's great to hear other people talk about it. Yes, and you are actually going. We tried to do a live recording for the podcast, but the audio didn't quite want to make its way over Skype, since well, Skype is Skype. And uh, you're gonna send me two audio tracks, yep. correct? Uh, play, play. I'll play one at the beginning and one at the end of the show. Cool. Do you, which ones are you, are you going to send? <laughs> well, uh, let me, let me do this. I'll send you, I have a, you know, digital download codes from the new, from my new record with the body electric. So I'll okay. send you uh, one of those, you know, so you can download the record and you can use any of that audio. And then I'll just send you some piano composition stuff that you can use if you want to use it on this show or if you want to use it on future shows. Um, is that, that would be is that, cool? that would be awesome. Yeah, let's, yes, that would be awesome. Dave. Let's do it like that then, and um, that way you can kind of pick and choose how you how you want to edit it, edit it in, and um, and use it. Okay. Do you have a single right now? No, no singles. Uh, that's another thing I don't do. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You want them to have the whole uh, the whole album and not just snack on it, as I've heard said before. Yeah, this record was made as a record. You'll hear, I think, when when I send it to you, that it's really a, kind of a cycle of songs that were written as a whole. Okay, great. And uh, how can people get a hold of you? Like Twitter, sound. Like... Yeah, yeah, they can go to da uh, DaveZolo dot com, um, and there's buttons for all the various social media. I'm on um, Twitter and Facebook and and all that kind of stuff. But DaveZolo dot com is is and that's D-A-V-E-Z-O-L-L-O dot com. That's a good way for people to kind of go. And then they can, they can at least trace that to other, other forms of social media that they're more comfortable using. All right. There's links to the Body Electric, uh, Middle Western, and everything like that as well? Yep. Yep. All that stuff will be on there. Links for all that. All right. All right, great. Thanks for joining me. One more thing I need you to do for me that I've been having guests do is uh, sign off the show for me yep. with uh, Until Next Time, Live Uncontained. You got it. This is David Zolo. Uh, until next time, Live Uncontained. Thanks again to Dave Zolo for coming on Uncontained today and uh, talking about his band, David Zolo and the Body Electric, along with his experiences in the music industry from running the record label to uh, fronting a couple bands, filling in in the studio for a couple bands and on tour. So I hope you enjoyed the interview and please, please rate, review, uh, share, subscribe on iTunes, or whatever pod uh, player that you listen to on. It could be Stitcher. The more ratings and reviews, the more visibility this show gets, and uh, the more people get to hear it. And that helps me out. And if you enjoy the show, it helps you out as well. We've got one more track coming your way from David Zolo and The Body Electric. Thank you for listening, and as always, until next time, live 
uncontained. Here's David Zolo and the Body Electric with the Hour of Our Need.
nothing earned. Each one of us will remember in the fire of our making. Think there's justice to be found. Tell you people that look around. Listen close, hear the sound of a million hearts now breaking. Why have you deserted us? Why have 